You're listening to Icebreakers, the podcast exploring all things Canadian and Eurasian, business, culture, and personalities. The series is produced by Serba, the Canada-Eurasia-Russia Business Association. We're a non-profit supporting trade, investment, and good relations between Canada and the countries of Eurasia. I'm your host, Nathan Hunt, one of the founders of Serba and former chairman of the National Board. I invite you to tune in regularly for valuable insights relating to the region. So, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Nathan. Good afternoon. I'm joined today by legendary rock star, musician, creative genius, been dubbed the Paul McCartney of Russia. I don't know how accurate that is, but uh, he certainly is a genius. Uh, those of us who lived in Russia for decades know his music, love his music. Uh, I listened to him live in concert at uh, uh, Mr. Denny Paska's uh, event in St. Petersburg on more than one occasion. I'm going to say twice, if not three times. We're joined by Ilya Legutenko, the founder of the group Mumitrol, musician extraordinaire. So hello, Ilya. Hi, how are you? I'm great, and I'm uh, glad to have you on the show today. Can we start by talking about the very beginning? When did you begin to sing? When did you find that music was very your calling? The beginning of uh, me rock and rolling through all my life. Uh, I actually, I grew up in Vladivostok, which is like seven days by train from Moscow, or nine hours by plane. And which is only two hours drive to uh, China and Northern Korea and only one hour flight to Tokyo. <laughs> I've been in Vladivostok many times. I love that city. It's the, the beautiful Golden Horn yeah. Bay. Looks like a, a jeweled crown at night. Uh, I have a friend with a, an apartment that overlooks the bay and it is absolutely stunning what they've done with that city, with the, with the new bridge and the, the developments of Russian island, Ruski Ostrov. I, I love Vladivostok, I can tell you. Yeah, but back in years in Soviet times, that was um, uh, the city was closed, even uh, for Russian citizens, I mean, for Soviet. I guess because it had Navy base, so, you know, they wanted sure, to Sure, the military angle, understood. Keep, uh, all those secrets, you know, safe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the same time, Vladivostok is the biggest port uh, in Russian Far East. So we had all those sailors who uh, were going back and forth, you know, between continents, uh, carrying whatever they were carrying. You know, I remember it, it, the port never slept. And, uh, you know, all that sounds of, uh, of ships coming in and uh, out and people working in a port, all those, you know, mechanisms doing... Uh, the routine, I guess that 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 was my real rock and roll. <laughs> yes, yeah, quite a roll. hive of activity. But then, but then, um, obviously, we had some uh, family friends uh, among sailors or sailors among uh, family friends who would bring uh, you know interesting uh, presents uh, from their travels. And uh, I especially been interested in the music in forms of cassette tapes, long play vinyls, and uh, music magazines. Uh, I even remember one time, a Japanese one called Music Life. So you open, you know, the magazine and you know it all. You know, you know everything about music and life. The only uh, problem, it was in Japanese. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so that would be a challenge. <laughs> so when did you start performing? You, I think it was at a young age, I've heard. Yeah, and, and uh, I actually had uh, I had documented my pre-teenage years at that time. And uh, apparently my first official band was formed when I was uh, 10 years old. Oh, good I, Lord. I, I did it with a f- uh, friend of mine who lives uh, who lived upstairs. And uh, where did we get the idea of rock band? I have no clue. I mean, I, I don't know. Probably you know all all that all that. Okay, we had some music at home. You know, my parents had some cassette tapes. Like, but but they'd never been you know following uh, trends or you know one tape would have john lennon's album on one side and uh you know some russian chansonnier like Vysotsky on other side so so you know that that type and another tape would be a boniem and abba and and you know and at the same time i remember we even had jesus christ superstar part 2 oh. <laughs> So I Fabulous. never know actually what happened in the part one, you know, but at home we only had part two. <laughs> Great show. I'll, I'll send you part one one of these days. <laughs> yeah. And uh, finally enough, the first ever record uh, we decided to make, it was rock opera. You know, we just decided who cares about singles or albums? We'll record uh, rock opera. And it was called uh, The Flight to Mars. The flight to Mars. Flight to Mars. So, so, so the synopsis was uh, people going to Mars, uh, landed there, meet some Martians, have a bit of you know rough time understanding each other, but everything you know going well, and they uh, they get back to to Earth uh, successfully. So that was uh, our first record. We did it in a couple of hours. We uh, uh, recorded it on. Uh, reel-to-reel tape machine, which uh, I had at home. And, you know, next day I took it to my classmates and said, like, would you like to hear it, the new rock opera? And, you know, they were thinking, like, I'm I'm talking some, you know, probably Japanese to them, like, what? Rock? What? Opera? What? Rock? You know, <laughs> rock band? I mean, we're still oh, playing, man. you know, toy soldiers and, you know, football and... Uh, who cares about you know rock music? What what is rock music, right? What is rock music? Yeah, exactly. Because you know we never had it on the radio. We never had it on television. You know we didn't have internet. <laughs> so I gotta ask you, Ilya, where can I hear that music? I want to hear "Flight to Mars." Where can I hear uh, it? I wish actually uh, I um, I had my first recording server. Apparently, my granddad uh, kept all those uh, you know vintage tapes at his dacha. Uh, outside Vladivostok, and one day some vandals actually put this little house on uh, six square feet uh, on fire for some reason, I don't know, so everything's gone. But when it happened, I I was more cautious, uh, you know, to my um, recordings after that. So started from, you know, 1983-ish, you know, early 80s. I more or less have, you know, most of the stuff we recorded. I travel the cities, I travel the world, and that's the only luggage, you know, I'm allowed to have, you know, all those tapes. Your music. Yeah, <laughs> tapes, uh, real-to-real tapes, and, uh, you know, my notebooks, where I, uh, you know, write lyrics, old-fashioned style. So that's the only things which travels with me, you know. I'm, I'm, But this is, you know, a couple of suitcases, you know, 
full of uh, cassettes. I still have them. Uh, you know, I uh, I'm busy digitalize. Understood. Understood. Most of them, but uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a good source of uh, personal imagination. You, you know, sometimes when I'm like. Uh, what should I write the song about? And you know, I, I, I did it all probably. So you know, if I have no new ideas, I basically you know, <laughs> open my just listen to the old stuff. Yeah, when I was like <laughs> okay. thirteen, it, and obviously you know, most of it never been released ever. So I was like, yeah, it still sounds good, you know. Like, and you feel yourself, yeah. Young again. Now, what did you call yourself, uh, Ilya? What did you call your group in the beginning? Uh, that first band was called Bonnie P. Bonnie, not P E E, not P double E. That would be like two punk rock, yeah. But uh, it was like Bonnie Pie, P I, uh, because uh, my um, bandmate was Pavel. Uh, started with P and I was Ilya, started with I. And uh, we know that ABBA apparently, you know, formed uh, their title. Of course. Like, yeah, out of the initials of the musicians. Yeah, and Bonnie, we, we got from Bonnie M. You know, it, it was uh, two biggest uh, foreign bands in Soviet Union at that time. You know, no one heard about the Beatles and Rolling Stones, believe me, you know, on a general level. <laughs> but, you know, ABBA and Bonnie M. I, I guess ABBA we knew because of Eurovision and Bonnie M somehow managed, you know, to 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 play in Soviet Union and they were on the telly once or twice. So Bonnie P, fabulous. Bonnie P, yeah, yeah. We, we didn't leave alone, obviously. You know, uh, our our friends uh, making the jokes about you know P, <laughs> like, like you would do it in any language, I guess. <laughs> yes. Uh, it seems like you were the Russian entry in Eurovision uh, one year. Was it 2001? When did you sing in Eurovision? Yeah, it was almost, yeah, I think it was 2001. And it was really fun uh, event for us uh, because uh, it took place in Copenhagen. You know, it opened us up a bit for Scandinavian audience, so uh, which was uh, really good. And uh, Back in years, like in 90s, I used to live in London and I knew how English people would uh, consider Eurovision, you know, one of those, you know, funny events, but you still, you know, you, you, you stick to your television. You have to watch it, of course. It's obligatory. Reading. You, you enjoy, and, you know, all those jokes uh, about uh, performance or that, but it's, you know, it's a part of a... It's a part of a culture. It is, it's, 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 you know, it's one night of entertainment. I never took it seriously. But year before that, my friend, who's a Latvian band Prata Vetra, or Brainstorm, as uh, they're known in uh, a few countries, they represented Latvia on Eurovision. And, uh, and okay. I was like, hey, guys, how, how, how was that? And they said, you know, Ilya, don't worry about all those, you know, misconceptions about, you know, actual event. Yeah, it may be you know, a bit lame, or, but uh, it's still still stand a good chance that someone will actually like your music. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you will. You won't be the first, obviously, you know, because uh, your songs are not that mainstream or something. But there is strong chance. You know, you gain some uh, audience, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, let's do it." And uh, so, tell me, tell me, Ilya, did something change for you after Eurovision? Because you were already a legend before you sang. 
you were already well established. We were probably the biggest, you know, biggest not even indie DIY band uh, in Russia. Oh, <laughs> DIY! Oh dear. DIY, yeah, yeah, because you know we we never been signed to any labels. You know, we never had any major deals, so. Uh, it's not that easy, but uh, the good thing is, you, you know, you keep all your copyrights and your royalties and you still uh, have some freedom in uh, not only in your career, also, in, you know, in your creative process. So I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, it's nice not to belong to a label, as they say. But, you know, my Latvian friends were right. Uh, you know, Eurovision, you know, it opened up some... Um, you know, European markets for us, where, where we would never, ever been able to reach out. We did a few tours in uh, Scandinavia. We even managed to play in Greenland. In Greenland, good Lord. In Greenland. And believe it or not, we were the second band ever, a rock band, who ever played in Greenland. Because I said the first one was British band called Sweet, if you remember that, you know, back in 70s. Sweet. Sweet, yeah, like, sweet. And sure. they said, the second one supposed to be a blur, but they didn't sell enough tickets. So they decided, you know, we're not coming because, you know, we, we can't break even. I'm told Greenland is a beautiful place, but I think it would be hard to break even at a, at a concert venue in Greenland. Yeah, but at that time, uh, apparently some executives at uh, Greenland Air liked our um, performance at Eurovision. So they said, we will sponsor your flight. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. The only thing they said, uh, you know, guys, you have to spend at least one week, uh, you know, in Greenland because, you know, we only have uh, flights once a week. <laughs> yeah, that would be a challenge. I, I guess we, we have all, all that, you know, probably 120 people in, uh, in the capital of Greenland called Nuuk. So you had 120 people at the concert? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, uh, you know how? Um, because they played all our music videos for a month in advance on a local, <laughs> cable, on a local cable TV. You, you literally like, you know, you press the button on local television and it's only Mumi Trolls music videos like, all day Smart. long. Like, like Smart today's, man. you know, 24-7 YouTube channels, you know, at that time. So, you know, obviously since then we had, you know, 120 fans, uh, who came to see us in Greenland. And, uh, <laughs> At least yeah. 120. That's an amazing story. Now, I got to ask you, before you, you started your professional music career, you worked as a businessman, or were you a translator? You, you said you lived in London. That, that surprised me. I, I was an interpreter. Apparently, what, what happened, I used to uh, go to a so-called Chinese school in Vladivostok. So you speak Chinese as well? I can speak Mandarin, yes. That was my first foreign language. <laughs> Amazing. I started, yeah, I started to learn Mandarin at the age of uh, six. Then I uh, graduated from Far Eastern uh, University in uh, Vladivostok, and uh, my speciality was Oriental Studies, uh, Mandarin, and Chinese economy, believe it or not. Fabulous. So, so uh, did you ever get to China? You did live in London. Did you live in... Yeah, I mean, I, I witnessed, you know, the Chinese dragon grow since uh, late 80s. I guess 88 was my first, 89 was my first ever visit to Chinese city on northern borders where I came with delegation of, you know, Russian uh, business people and, you know, I interpret for them. 
Do you remember anything about uh, about your travels around China? Oh yeah, of course. You know, you know, I, I used to study in China for a couple of years, and I traveled. You know, on uh, my own. You know, quite quite a lot of parts uh, in the country. You know, before it was too modernized. You know, before they have a speed trains. You, know? <laughs> you told me something about the interesting cuisine when we spoke two days ago. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, I would say Chinese food is my favorite food, you know. But yes, I do remember all those uh, so-called wet markets. In for one of my holiday, I came to stay in bed and breakfast near Guilin. Uh, that's a, you know one of the most uh, picturesque place in China. You when you look all those you know pictures with nice hills. And rivers, you, you know, uh, little boats, uh, or like Avatar. Sure. Yeah, the Avatar movie been based. In, right, know. right. Beautiful, natural yeah, yeah, it's scenes. In, uh, so I stayed in one uh, bed and breakfast. So I saw the menu had uh, this line, rat meat. Rat meat. Rat, uh, yeah, rat, mouse. You know. <laughs> rat meat. Oh, dear. You can book <laughs> in adv- one day in advance. And I was like... You mean rat as a rat, mouse? They said, yeah, of course, you know, local speciality. Uh, and I was, <laughs> Why you saying uh, you have to book in advance? Because they said, obviously, you know, there's not much demand for that from people like you, you know, backpackers, whatever, tourists, you know. So, but we, uh-huh. we can do it. Yeah, we can do it. And I was like, so if... I order it now, you'll do it tomorrow. I said, exactly, you know, I will do it tomorrow. I said, you probably go to some special market or, you know, where they have, you know, special breed of rats, I don't know. Uh, Hopefully they didn't go out to catch the rat themselves, right? <laughs> uh, better they said, no, 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 we, we don't have to go to any markets. Uh, we just, you know, go downstairs and, you know. Oh, dear. <laughs> And catch one, and catch one. We have lots okay. of <laughs> we'll just catch I thought one. I was joking, but I guess it's not a joke. No, and we say, we'll cook for you. Don't worry. You know, it's 100% guaranteed, you know, you will have it tomorrow. <laughs> yum, yum. So listen, I want to talk some about your passions as well. You, you've set up this uh, music festival, but uh, I was corrected by uh, my, my producer earlier. who said, it's not a music festival. V-Rocks is much more than music. It's music, it's education, it's sports, it's film, it's art. What is V-Rocks all about? Yeah, so, so you t- we're talking about V-Rocks uh, festival, uh, which I uh, curated for the last what, seven, eight years almost uh, in my hometown, Vladivostok. And uh, I built it as a local version of so-called showcase festivals, like uh, probably, uh, you know, South by Southwest would be a best example. Sure. 30 years ago, and the rest is history, when uh, independent musicians starting, uh, and promoters started to get together just to uh, trying to figure out how they can make living, you know, being, not being a part of mainstream music industry. I... I kind of visualize a similar concept because obviously uh, first Vladivostok has you know unique geographical position so it's literally in in the middle of uh, Pacific if you if you look at the map so you have like Canada United States Mexico whatever Chile yeah from you know one side which has like local music markets which uh, mm-hmm. apparently not that global 
And then you have like China and Korea and whatever, Indonesia and Russia, uh, which has uh, potentially big markets, but they do not travel like literally, you know, for, for different reasons. So I, uh, my idea was like, why don't we get all those musicians in one place with all that um, differences in mentality and culture, in uh, music uh, history? we can introduce them to each other. And then, you know, who knows, maybe um, some Korean artist, uh, Canadian artists would build their careers in Russia and some Russian musicians maybe find their audience, okay, not in English speaking country, but maybe in, you know, uh, you know, Japan or, you know, Korea. Interesting. So it's geared towards the Pacific audience, the Pacific Rim audience. That was a, you know, initial idea. And then we just realized, obviously, uh, you know, a few days later, there was a few hits in the economy in Russia and some, you know, political issues. So we said, OK, probably business aspect doesn't grow that fast as we wanted, but there is still interest genuine interest from uh, artists all over the world and uh, I guess word of mouth of artists who who visited Vladivostok uh, helped us a lot and uh, and yes we had the cover of New York Times describing our festival as a you know, east by by east or whatever uh, they call it which helped me a lot uh, because uh, I don't have resources like you know I didn't have as I said, any booking agents or management companies uh, supporting this festival. So it's it's done literally on on uh, personal networking. So instead of uh, South by Southwest, you were East by Northeast. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. And uh, so we include uh, not only music, so we include street art as well and indie uh, movies. Uh, Actually, anything which uh, people seems uh, to be interested in. And through my experience, I understood, okay, I might have one vision, you know, in my head, which uh, doesn't really relate all the time to people who actually live in a place, you know, full time. So we're trying to find the compromise uh, between uh, local taste and the sense of exploration. Let's let's you know edu- educate each other. Let's just see what uh, you know your colleagues, your um, you know people of same age who's like in say in rock music, what they doing in different countries. How you know what kind of songs have they written? And uh, well, you've you've set up a fabulous platform. I wanted to ask also about you were talking about education, and I know you've educated people about tigers. You had an album that was named Amba which I'm told is is the word tiger in a, in a local language. You you are also passionate about tigers. Yeah, obviously, yeah. And I, I've been involved in uh, really heavily in, into uh, all this conservation uh, work, partly, you know, just because I'm originally from, you know, Russian Far East, and uh, at some point uh, I was approached by some international charity and said, would you be, you know, like to be on a board? And I was like, you know, guys, I'm not, you know, I'm not professional. I'm just a musician. And uh, they said, no, just, you know, spread an awareness. This is how it works. So, uh, yeah. And then I represented these local charities, you know, globally, World Bank, negotiations, you know, everywhere. So we um, ended up in producing a big event in St. Petersburg. I think it was like 10 years ago. 
so-called Tiger Summit when we had head of states of so-called Tiger countries. There are only like, I believe, 12 countries in the world where, where actual tigers lived. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, in, in the wild, obviously. Yeah, in the wild. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, yeah, so, 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 so it's been interesting. Lots of things changed uh, since then. And apparently, especially in Russia, there is a strong law now about uh, tiger conservation and there are fewer uh, big government program runs. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, our tiny steps made a difference. <laughs> it's great to make a difference, especially with a, with a majestic and noble animal like the tiger. Yeah, and, and yes, amba, amba is uh, it, on Udege language, uh, which is uh, considered the, you know, local native people, you know, who lived there for thousands of years. Where, in the, in the Amur region? Yeah, yeah, in the maritime area, Primoria, uh, whatever it's Hotel in Tiger. Yeah, they call Tiger, you know, that name. Well, it's great that you've dedicated yourself to that. Now, I want to talk a little about the appeal of your music. Not only to Russian audiences, however, you have done successful foreign tours. You have toured uh, the United States. You've toured Europe. You've toured Canada uh, three times. As long as we're talking about Canada, <laughs> what what were your impressions about Canada, and why is it that your music appeals to to a non-Russian speaking audience? I mean, that's that's surprising. Yeah, I mean, I guess talking about Canada, Canada is a unique country. I mean, uh, you guys. Uh have people literally from, you know, from different cultural backgrounds who live happily <laughs> in uh, one place. And yes, I, I could say probably Canadian people appreciate foreign sounding bands more than people say in the United States. But at the same time, uh, uh, you know, w when you talk about foreign band going to uh, uh, singing in their language, going to other countries on tour, so you think, okay, you know, you have some uh, local, say, Russian communities in, you know, every country, so you would play for them, but... Uh, sure, there's a diaspora everywhere, I suppose. Yeah, yeah exactly, and uh, it's still, uh, you know, our uh, kind of main foreign audience, but at the same time, uh, me personally, as a listener, I was like, okay, I might not uh, understand all that lyrics of my favorite bands. So, so I love David Bowie. It doesn't mean that I can, you know, crack his lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually true. I have some songs that I love too, but when you learn what the lyrics are actually saying, uh, it's not that inspiring often. <laughs> and, and that was always my case. Like I said, just don't worry. I, I mean, I know that People who write in lyrics, and especially me, they're so serious and they're so detailed, like how they put, you know, a certain word in. But it's it's not the most important thing in the songs. The most important thing it's it's like whole uh, appeal as a whole. So so in other, in other words, the music and lyrics and uh, and even outfits, you know, and a life approach. Everything has to work, you know, together. And one once you have 
those uh, you know golden blend of whatever of, of approaches you know in in one package then you know then it works and it will work uh, in china it will work in russia it will work in canada okay maybe for you know more advanced uh, audience you know more music lovers than general audience but you know, this is what a life about. We we just trying to connect to like-minded people, and uh, you know, I have no problem with, you know, it would be only you know five of them, not like five million. <laughs> <laughs> so you toured Canada three times. What are your impressions? Do you remember which cities did you see? By the way, just the just the uh, big cities. I guess we, we we saw more than than we saw more than uh, usual foreign band on tour. Uh, okay, so you know, we usually where people usually go Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, and yes, I think Vancouver is probably one of the most beautiful place on earth I ever seen. And you know, I, I you know, sometimes I think what would be you know more majestic, and you know, that you know, nature create you know, ocean and the mountains and and the people. <laughs> Does it remind you of Vladivostok? Yeah, like Vladivostok 3000, I guess. Uh, okay, in the future. Some kind of futuristic version of Vladivostok. Usually they compare Vladivostok to San Francisco, apparently. I guess Mr. Khrushchev, you know, said this phrase back in years and like everyone stick to it like, oh, you know, Vladivostok is, is Russian San Francisco. Yeah, but you can say... Uh, but uh, not only uh, those places, you know, we, we once we took a bus through Canada and we drove all those, you know, big distances, like thousand kilometers a day, which reminded me of a tour in Russia, apparently, you know, when you just go and going through the woods and, you know, hills and mountains. Apparently, mid-Canada mid reminds me of Siberia. There are similarities for sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, landscape-wise, and you know, and we stayed in places like Regina, and, and but my, uh, I guess my uh, my personal favorite was when we played Winnipeg. Oh, you did? Yeah, we played in Winnipeg, some you know local pub, and our promoter said, "You probably guys, you know, probably don't don't have enough, you know, following in Winnipeg. Would you really go to?" To the stop there and i was as definitely will stop at winnipeg just because when i was a kid i was a big fan of winnipeg jets oh the jets fabulous <laughs> yes and you know i i literally had uh you know i knew each hockey player's name and you know i can't remember it now but uh, did you yeah. get a chance to take in a, a game while you were there did you get to no, see no a, no a, no a not really. yeah i guess oh. it, it was out of season but uh but yeah, I mean, I say we definitely need to stop in Winnipeg. That's you know, it's sort of my duty, you know, my uh, personal obligation. Just give back something to Winnipeg, just because you know I had so much fun and so much great time watching you know Jets playing, you know, back in years against you know Soviet hockey team. I don't know. It was that's you know, amazing. It was actually part of my uh, you know children's culture so <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought that Ilya Legutenko is a Winnipeg Jets fan <laughs> fascinating now but you got out east too you were in Toronto you were in Montreal I heard that you're even working with some up-and-coming Montreal singers is that right yeah uh, funnily enough during pandemic times I mean which is 
looks like never never ending story yes oh yeah never ending story but uh last year you know i i obviously you know stuck in uh, los angeles because you know international travel were banned and you know everyone on lockdown no live tours nothing so you know you okay so what are we doing now we just uh have to ad, ad, adjust all our plans to something different. And uh, I was working on a, a live show of instrumental music at that time. And uh, I had no idea how to you know, market and promote it. And suddenly, you know, all those live tours uh, situation uh, disappeared <laughs> in a thin air. And I was like, okay, we have to just re- um, uh, readapt and redesign it and uh, as a studio project and I started to reach out to different uh, vocalists all over the world uh, first for the people I know uh, different musicians I've met through V-Rocks uh, as well so we had the guys from New Zealand and Germany United States so we started to um, record songs remotely and through one of my colleagues, I've been introduced to this amazing young singer. Her name, Ariel Fitzpatrick. She based in Montreal. She started to write her own songs. So, so basically, uh, you know, we collaborated online. Uh, I wrote the music. She wrote and sings the lyrics. Now we're in the process of finalizing these tracks. And, uh, you know, I just have to is you a little bit and yes the tracks is amazing it sounds amazing and it definitely will be a next next big hit of course i have to believe in that <laughs> ariel fitzpatrick can we can we hear her online have you produced uh, a song yet uh no it's not really i mean uh, this scheduled release for the end of may and it will accompany by music video which already been shot in toronto you know you you see the pandemic outcome has uh, some uh, positive sides. So uh, I literally started Canadian-based project, you, you know, record music with, you know, people from Canada, uh, film uh, music videos with uh, Canadian crew. And it, it just, you know, we just clicked, I guess, together. You know, we, we, we love the song, you know, we love to work together. We understand where we're going, you know, we have something, you know, to share. So it would be like really interesting how how all that remote uh, approach will uh, finally worked out, you know. Well, we're, we're, we're waiting with bated breath, I can tell you. <laughs> now, during the pandemic, you've had time to spend, uh, you've had more time with your family, I'm sure, your lovely wife. We got to meet your daughter, Vivi. Two days ago, when we were chatting, uh, you have a daughter, Leticia. You're, you're obviously a, a, a wonderful family man, and that's uh, fabulous. That's excellent. What about your fans? Do your fans miss you? You haven't been on tour for a year and a half. So, yeah, you know, but these days it's much easier to uh, communicate via all those social platforms, and we try to keep our fans entertained uh through the last year we produced few uh live stream shows we recorded and released a couple of albums and uh, we even uh -huh. produced 360 vr experience for them so uh i guess it was one of the first uh, one of that kind uh you know shows which you can watch in you know this uh headset 
virtual reality headsets. And oh my God. to be honest with you, you know, I can't say, you know, it won't probably fake uh, life experience 100%. But it's definitely a new form of, of uh, communicating with your fans. And I, I really can see the future in that. So I started to think more and more you know, about all these uh, technological approaches. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we just realized with, uh, with my crew that it's much easier to uh, complement some, you know, technological ideas than to find the right artistic approach for them, if you uh -huh. know what, what I mean. So, so in other words, yes, okay, we can broadcast live music, you know, VR 360, even being on a different continent. We, we actually found a system, how can we do it with all this, you know, time lags, pong, ping pongs, whatever, <laughs> whatever yeah. you call it. But the thing is how it will look like and how, you know, audience will uh, feel yourself. That's the next, that's the next step. And I, I guess this is where we all go in, you know, like it or not. You know? That's fascinating. Now, now tell me, your last album was called After Evil, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's uh, pretty, you know, correct translation, I guess, of the title. Postless Love. It's it's actually after the evil. And and is it dedicated to a particular concept? What what evil are we talking about? You know, the thing was, we actually recorded those songs in 2019. So 2020, when pandemic starts, we've been in the process of mixing and, you know, post-production of that songs. And then suddenly... All, you know, few words and, you know, top lines in a song suddenly started to make sense. It, I guess it's one of those, you know, magic surprises. And this is why I like, you know, to write songs. You never, you never know what will happen next because whatever idea you have in mind when you write it, people might get it, might, might not. It might relate to something I know in particular, but you know the rest of the uh, population in the whole globe probably wouldn't see it. You know, has a connection. Mm -hmm. But then, mm -hmm. twenty years later, or one year later, you know, a week later, suddenly, you know, you find an answer after the evil. Like now, our fans say, after the evil, it's after pandemic is over, right? This is what you mean. You, you know, you mean like you you will be joining us after after the pandemic after the evil and i was said yeah why not yeah sure, <laughs> sure of course and uh, why not <laughs> and um, uh, you know we have at least we have some good news from russia uh, you know they uh, loosened up um, restrictions on life entertainment right now so uh, we are back on the road uh, literally this month like next month april we will play venue in moscow oh you will yes uh, so, oh, you know, that's great we, news we're still uncertain when we can visit canada or u.s we we can 100 percent sure say april 17th come to see our gig in moscow <laughs> well i'm gonna put it on my calendar i can tell yeah, you yeah with all that you know social distancing and uh, i believe it's like one third of uh, capacity but still Still, it's a live show, and you know we'll we'll see you. And you know, okay, I will be wearing mask, and uh, 
you know, I I'm hope most of the people in the audience will get vaccinated by that. So, uh, <laughs> what venue are you playing? Is it? Uh, it's called Mo Moscow Music Dome. I think it's uh, it's a new oh, venue. Don't, don't music venue. We never yes. played there. Apparently, they opened it like like before pandemic, and nothing really happened there. So, okay, okay. Well, I want to close up where our hour is almost up. I wanted to talk about some other programs that you've done. P PSV Bootcamp. What is that about? Uh, I also been one of the founder of this uh, uh, nonprofit uh, together with UCLA University of uh, Los Angeles. We came up with an educational program for uh, aspiring songwriters. Uh, not only young ones, but it's more about like business side of, of music industry for independent musicians, independent singer-songwriters, let's put it this way. How to write songs for movies and commercials, how to navigate in this digital world of, of music streaming, uh, how to catch up with... Uh, uh, new technologies, uh, how to write scores for uh, films and TV series, you know, all, all, all uh, those things, they're really interesting. And they're, you know, here in the US, they built a big industry around it. There are enough talented uh, young composers and musicians in the rest of the world who... Uh, could jump into it as well. So, so uh, right now we have free uh, classes during uh, 2021. Uh, the first one just finished, and I had raving reviews from people who actually took uh, part into it. That's completely free for uh, Russian-speaking uh, musicians. That it's free of charge, and it's and it's in Russian, yeah. And it's uh, it's in English, but you know it's for uh, Russian uh, musicians only so far. Yeah. Okay, but they better learn. They better know how to speak English. You know, in this world, you know, we'd rather uh, enjoy knowing you know a few languages. <laughs> yeah, but you've got a few under your belt already. Yeah, Do you yeah, know something yeah, you besides? Know, I'm, I'm telling you because because uh, you know I I think I. I uh, made some use out of my knowledge of Mandarin and English and Russian and some Spanish. So it helped me a lot, you know, to, you okay. know, even, even in what I'm doing, even in, you know, my uh, music career. Well, you've got the, you've got the uh, bases covered if you've got those four languages. I have to say, Ilya, it's been a pleasure talking with you. It's been a pleasure hearing about what makes you tick, what inspires you. Uh, and uh, please uh, know that Serba wishes you the very best in your future endeavors. I can tell you that Thank I expected you. this to be, yeah, I expected this to be a conversation only about culture, only about music. But here we've touched on all sorts of themes. We've touched on, on uh, aspiring musicians. We've touched on tigers. Uh, we've even talked about business because you've got uh, a business venture uh, connected with Canada. So it's this has been a very eye-opening uh, and exciting interview for me. Thank you so much for taking the time to do it. Thanks a lot, Nathan. Yeah. You've been listening to Icebreakers, the podcast produced by Serba, a nonprofit business association supporting trade, investment, and good relations between Canada and the countries of Eurasia. 
If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can join our LinkedIn group to send questions to guests and find more information about the podcast series in general on our website at www.surbanet.org. Thanks for tuning in.